Well, good morning, Terra Nova. For those that don't know me, my name is Nat Marshall. It's a privilege to be here with you this morning. Um, you may have seen me up here before giving announcements after the service or uh, maybe playing guitar sometimes, but you haven't seen me here <laughs> at this time. Um, we're blessed to have gifted preachers here usually. Uh, but, y y you know, I I'm glad to be here this morning. And I'll tell you why I'm glad. It it's not because I just love public speaking or something, but um, I really love this topic. And when I was asked to preach about Jesus, our wonderful counselor, my, my heart resonated. And uh, frankly, I get to share with you um, some things that have meant a lot to me over the last several years in particular. And uh, so it's a privilege. And I, I thank you for letting me be here to unpack God's word. And so I'm going to read our key verse again, Isaiah 9, 6. And then I'll ask you to join me in prayer before we jump in. Isaiah 9, 6. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for everyone that's here in this room uh, with us. Lord, I pray that you would be here in our midst. I pray that you would uh, help me to unpack uh, these ideas, Lord, thank you for this aspect of yourself that you have revealed through your word, that you're a wonderful counselor. Be here now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So here is the main idea for today. The wisdom and compassion of God are revealed in Christ, who knows you and wants you to come to him. The wisdom and compassion of God are revealed in Christ, who knows you and wants you to come to him. Uh, so to, to unpack that, we're going to go on a little journey, and the roadmap is this. Number one, the wonderful counselor is a light in the darkness. Two, the wonderful counselor knows you fully. And three, the wonderful counselor wants you to come to him. So on to part one, a light in the darkness. It was about 2,700 years ago that God spoke to his people through a man named Isaiah. Um, this guy was a prophet. He, he had visions from God. He received words from the Lord, and he spoke the words to the people. And those words written down 2,700 years later form a big part of our Bible today. Um, and those words of Isaiah are still revealing to us today uh, the same thing that they were revealing to the people back then, namely God himself. And a lot of things, a lot of familiar things come from Isaiah. Let me give you a little sampling from around, you know, different parts in Isaiah. Isaiah tells us about the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. Isaiah tells us about the one whose thoughts are above our thoughts, whose ways are above our ways, yet he can be found by us. Isaiah tells us about how he would come to us through the Messiah, who would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
Isaiah also tells us how this Messiah would, would be a suffering servant who would bear our griefs, carry our sorrows, bear our sin, and make us righteous and bring us peace. And one of the big and early ways in Isaiah that God through Isaiah revealed this Messiah to us is our verse for today, Isaiah 9.6. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And this year for Advent, as you know, we're taking those four names one by one. Last week, Jason spoke on uh, Mighty God. This week, I'm speaking on Wonderful Counselor. Now, these words had a context. They were spoken to particular people. And these were people that were in distress. In Israel, 2,700 years ago, the times were dark. It was confusing. Uh, there were, it was dangerous. There were foreign invaders. People were being taken captive. Can you imagine, like, somebody coming in and taking you captive to another country? That was happening. Um, we read some of this in Isaiah. We read about conspiracies. Uh, we have those today, don't we? Uh, we read about dread and fear and politics. So we think we live in dark times, and we do, um, but this is not a new thing. Um, without God, the world is in the dark, whether that was 2,700 years ago or, or today. And chapter 8 of Isaiah uh, captures a lot of that darkness. In the last verse of chapter 8, 822, says this. It kind of sums it up. They will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish. And they will be thrust into thick darkness. So I, I want you to try to feel the weight of that a little from Isaiah 8. Have you ever felt something that you might describe as that gloom of anguish. Some of you have. Um, see, these people needed what was coming in the next chapter. They, they needed chapter 9, just like we need chapter 9. Without that, without what's coming next, uh, we would be lost in the dark. And some of you, a couple of you in this room, I think were underground with me in a cave a few years ago on a retreat, and um, you guys remember the thickness of that darkness when this guy Paul made us turn off all our lights. And, uh, um, like, if our lights had not come back on, we would have been doomed. I mean, they're doomed, I'm telling you. So, so the light comes on in chapter 9. Uh, let's go there. Chapter 9, verse 1. There will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. Those are just some areas in Israel. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the, the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. And spoiler alert, that this is prophecy. Galilee is where Jesus would live and do ministry. Verse 2, the the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. 
Let's skip over a few verses just for time, but in in verse 6, we finally come to this hope, this light, this hope that's actually a person, a son. It says, for to us, a child is born, a son is given. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is the Messiah. And we know him as Jesus. But I want to ask, is it actually biblical? How do we know? I mean, this was written 700 years before Jesus would live. So how do we know it's, it's right to interpret this as about Jesus? I mean, don't you wish there was like a New Testament verse or something that would say, hey, you know that stuff in Isaiah 9 about, um, that we're, that's actually talking about Jesus. Um, well, it just so happens there actually is that place. It's, it's Matthew 4, Matthew chapter 4. And we're not going to go read it now, um, but I encourage you, if, if you're interested, I'd encourage you, go read it. Check out the parallels in Matthew 4 um, to, to Isaiah 9 and, and look at how Matthew quotes Isaiah 9 and then ties it into the start of Jesus' ministry. So, at Advent, we celebrate the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, the, the child born, the son given, the wonderful counselor revealed. I talked about Matthew 4. Right there in the early chapters of Matthew, we can see the light clearly shining in the dark. Um, this Jesus is the one about whom a voice from heaven a voice from heaven announces, this is my son. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And, the, and we read about how Jesus calls two fishermen, says, follow me, and they immediately drop their nets and they follow him. And we read about how his fame spread as he went around Galilee, teaching and preaching the gospel and healing diseases and afflictions. And then there's an incredible part in Matthew 5, uh, where, to me, I, I just see the light shining very strongly, uh, very brightly. Uh, it says, Jesus went up on a mountain and sat down. And the people gathered around him, and he opened his mouth and he spoke. Just listen to the, to the words of light that he gives to those who are in the dark. The first thing he said Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Ah, the poor in spirit are blessed. Then he says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The, mourn, the, the mourning are, are blessed. So there's, there's a lot more there. He, he went on to speak three chapters worth of what would become known as the Sermon on the Mount. And and. There's enough wisdom and counsel and light there for you to soak in for your whole life. Uh, And we're not going to cover it this morning. Uh, But but I just want to ask you, are are you hungry for that? Are you hungry for what Jesus said and hungry to receive his counsel? So I want to take you to part two. Uh, The wonderful counselor knows you fully. Okay, preparing for today, I read a bunch of commentaries about this. And they all were in agreement that the word wonderful 
really meant something more wonderful than what we mean it usually when we say a meal was wonderful or a time with friends was wonderful. In the Hebrew scriptures, it meant something more like this, causing wonder, causing us to be full of wonder, boggling to the mind or marvelous or amazing. So wonderful counselor. Whatever the counselor part means, we'll know when we get to it that it'll be an amazing version of that that'll just cause our minds to be boggled. And in this counselor part of the name gets at his wisdom and guidance. Isaiah uses uh, some related words in a later chapter to describe God. It says he is wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom. So his wisdom, guidance, and counsel are they're amazing to our minds. Um, in Colossians we read, all things were created, or By him, all things were created in heaven and on earth. And it says, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So Christ actually knows how atoms and galaxies and uh, biology and our circumstances and theology and history all fit together. This knowledge alone is boggling to the mind, but, but his knowledge is, is more wonderful than that because he knows us personally and intimately and fully. So let's read a psalm writer's words about that in Psalm 139. O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. There's that word again. It is high. I cannot attain it. So the Lord is a acquainted with you and all your ways. Are you anxious? He knows you. Are, you. are you feeling good, rejoicing? He knows you. Are you just sitting around, procrastinating, uh, taking a nap, working hard, rushing around stressed? He knows you. Are you doubting, cr- grieving, Planning, scheming, lusting. He knows you. He, he's acquainted with you in all your ways. That's actually good news. You, you, might, you might be a little scared of it, and, but it's good news. It's good news only because the Bible tells us that he shows compassion to us. He loves us. The crazy part is that he shows compassion and love towards us while knowing us fully. I think some of you fear, some of you fear being found out. Maybe you have that nagging feeling. If you were really known, you'd be found out. 
you'd be rejected. Well, the good news is he already knows you. And his, re- and his reaction is to show compassion. I love this Psalm 103. It says, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. But as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. And this is why he's wonderful in counsel. It's because it's compassionate counsel. And it's based on full knowledge of us. So let's move to part three. The the wonderful counselor wants you to come to him. So I'm going to take you to Hebrews 4.15, which is just a remarkable scripture. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And if we could take that first sentence for a second and just take out the double negative, it would say, we have a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. That's awesome. That's an awesome thing. Um, Some of the commentaries that I read on Wonderful Counselor said that in those days, uh, the view of a counselor was sort of like approaching the throne of a a wise king. And, uh, well, you know, we may have a certain fearful image of approaching a king's throne. Um, Look at how the Bible actually portrays it with this king. It says, let us with confidence draw near. With confidence draw near to the throne. We're, we're invited to draw near to this throne that we may receive mercy. So for the rest of our time, I want us to get a little more practical. Uh, let's talk about this drawing near to Jesus. And we'll look at it through this, through this question. What do we bring to the wonderful counselor? Number one, We go to the wonderful counselor with our sin. Because our sin is breaking us. The Bible says sin leads to death. So our sin is killing us. Our sin enslaves us. We can't break free of it. It's keeping us in the dark. Romans 6, 20, 21 describes it. I like this. It says, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness, but what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. I mean, what is our sin getting us? So we bring it to Jesus. And here, he's more than a counselor only. He's a sin-bearing savior, a redeemer. But he counsels us with the wisdom of the gospel that says... Christ crucified is the only one who can rescue us from sin. He's the only Savior and Redeemer. We don't clean ourselves up first so we can go to him. We just go to him. We bring this death-giving burden of sin and exchange it for his life and his righteousness. So what else do we bring? We go to the wonderful counselor with your temptations 
our temptations. Some of you might say, well, that's kind of the same as sin, right? Um, it's not. It, it's really not. It, in James, book of James, it talks about this progression. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So temptation and desire to sin, growing sin to, to death. Um, I'll ask, do you go to him early in that progression? You can. You can go to him uh, before the temptation becomes sin. You can take him that temptation in honesty and say, Lord, here's this thing. I'm really tempted by it. I really need your help. Here, Lord. And remember Hebrews 4.15. It says he gets it. It says he was tempted in every respect as we are, yet without sin. And Hebrews 2.18 adds reinforcement. It says, uh, for because he himself has, has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Wow. I, you, you may want to meditate on those words sometime. Um, but think about it. When we go to the wonderful counselor with our temptation, we don't get slapped, we don't get disciplined, we get helped. Back in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 6, Jesus taught in the Lord's Prayer, and lead us not into temptation. So praying about temptation is biblical, it's in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, but it's not natural. Uh, the what we naturally do, I think, in times of temptation a lot, is we avoid them. Uh, maybe we're like, we like to ride our bike along the cliff's edge as close as we can get and uh, half hoping we get to experience the, th the thrill of the plunge. Um, but I challenge you, go to him earlier. Go to him early in the temptation or in the, in the progression. Okay. Number three, we go to the wonderful counselor with suffering. Here, our Lord has compassion on us because he knows us. He, know, he knows our suffering. He suffered. He has felt our suffering. And it's just, I don't know, it's profound that God would become Emmanuel, God with us, and that he would suffer with us. And Isaiah 53 we read about the Messiah, the, the wonderful counselor, and, and it says he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. I mean, that stirs up wonder. I want to point out something it says in, in Hebrews 5. It, it says, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. 
I mean, that, that Jesus would know such suffering, that he would pray with loud cries and tears. Ah, that's amazing. We like to be understood, don't we? Uh, I mean, we say things like, you just don't understand, or you don't get it when, when somebody kind of dismisses our thing or trivializes our, our pain. That can hurt, and, and that's why this is such good news because God is not like that. The, the Lord does understand, and he's compassion, compassionate to us in our suffering. And finally, just one last thing I put on my list of things we go to the wonderful counselor with. We go to the wonderful counselor with our emotions. He wants us to go to him when we're mad, sad, happy, thankful, afraid, frustrated, and so on. Go to him and tell him what you're feeling. And here, here in this area, I want to credit the words of a counselor and author named Alistair Groves, he, some of his thoughts have influenced me a lot on this in the last few years. And here's something that he said. The Bible does offer one central way of dealing with our negative, unpleasant, uncomfortable, painful emotions. Here's what you do with all negative emotions. You pray them. Pray them. And that's different than praying about them, isn't it? Uh, it's Saying, Lord, I'm afraid, is a little different than saying, Lord, can you please help me with my fear? Um, crying out, Lord, I'm sad, is different than saying, Lord, please help me figure out my sadness. Um, so you might do both in time. The the Lord may help you explore and analyze and learn new ways of thinking. Uh, but don't miss that first part. You can come to him as you are and simply pour, pour out your heart. Um, it's biblical. Let me, let me show you some examples from the Psalms real quick. Psalm 62, 8 says, Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Another psalm says, hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. I mean, you might sometimes feel like you're at the end of the earth and you can't fix it and you can't do anything and you're so far away, but you can do this. You can, you can cry out like we see in the psalms. It's, it's biblical to do it. Psalm 5.1 says, Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry. Psalm 6.6 6 says, I'm weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. Now that's honest. That's really honest. Now, um, let me tell you some things I don't mean. Just prevent some misconceptions here. I, I do not mean that everything that we feel is right and good. I do not mean that our emotions are supreme and should rule us and, and that we should come demanding that God satisfy our emotions. I, that's not what I mean, but what I mean is when we, when we come to Christ for counsel, we can tell him what we're feeling. 
there's a, there's a closeness that, there's a trust that can be there. You can trust him with this because he, he has compassion on you. Matthew 6, and just a little part of scripture that has meant so much to me in recent years, says, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. In that room behind that door, I, that's, where, that's where you can pour out your heart. And I want to ask, do you guys have that place? Do you, have, do you have a room with a door you can shut? Did you ever go in there and pray things like, Lord, I'm weary with my moaning? You know, some of you might need that. Find a place, find a time, and go pour out your heart to your counselor. So to wrap up today, I want to paint two pictures for you. These are human pictures showing, you can go to the slide, it says a tale of two something. Uh, two ways that people come to human counselors. See, I had wondered, like, maybe there's something we can learn from human counseling that would have some parallels and help us in our, in our walk uh, with the wonderful counselor. And so I was like, I want to ask a professional counselor about this. So I, I found one here at Dara, and I asked, um, just tell me about the ways that some of your counselees come to you and are there ways that they come that are particularly helpful or unhelpful and they re responded with pretty easily with these lists um, and that, we're not going to walk through these one by one don't worry but uh, taken as a whole don't they paint two pictures of how we can approach the Lord I mean one person comes willing to be humble Willing to be honest, listening well, recognizing there's something here to fix, um, open to the idea that there are deeper things at work than they know. Another comes because someone forced them to. Uh, they're avoiding talking about the hard things. They're, they already know how to solve their problem or, or think it's unsolvable. Um, they're defensive, uh, quick to dismiss anything that suggests they can change. So as the band comes up, I want to encourage you to come to the Lord and come like, like that one. <laughs> you can come to the Lord humbly and honestly knowing that he already knows you fully. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. So come poor in spirit. Come ready to receive. Uh, not defensive and quick to dismiss. Without him, you are lost in the dark. So be willing to let the light shine in on those dark and hard places in your heart. Bring him your sin and your temptations and your suffering and your emotions uh, 
knowing that there's something to be healed here. There's something he can change, and he's the redeemer. No one can come to Jesus for you. Uh, You decide to do it. So I'll leave you with the words of the wonderful counselor himself from Matthew 11. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light.